Hi, and welcome to episode 330 of No Crying in Baseball, the Everybody in the Pool episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. It's so cold. It's not that kind of pool. You'll so be fine. Cold. I do not do well, even in like indoor pools in the winter. It's just like this psychological thing with me. It's just too cold. I think we'll be okay with this one. I, uh, think, I think it'd be, hey, don't, I trust you. I, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> that's what I, you might even be thankful because it yes. was, we, this is Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. How was your Thanksgiving? It was lovely. We had a really good Thanksgiving. It was a little busier than I had anticipated. There was a lot of going back and forth to, to Virginia family. But Friday was a good day because going out there, hanging out, we went to a um, beer farm nearby, which is, oh, has a lot nice. of space, axe throwing, which we didn't get to do. That, that combination always like just baffles me, beer and axe throwing. But I'm sure that I will give into it one day. Um, and then we went into D.C. to see J- Jason Bonham does uh-huh. Led Zeppelin. And that was a great concert. The sound system, actually, like talking about me criticizing sound for our podcast, their sound system was the only thing that lacked. Like the music was great, but they're so committed to doing Led Zeppelin as Led Zeppelin was that they're using like old equipment, like vintage, vintage equipment, we'll not oh, right, vintage. right, vintage sure. equipment. And the and it seemed like the vintage equipment and the new like sound theater sound system didn't quite, you know weren't quite in sync the whole time. But I totally would would recommend going. It was lovely. And Jason Bonham told some lovely stories about his dad. And I've started my drum lessons. Did you really? Yes, I did. So I'm starting online because I, I got suckered in for a good Black Friday s- sale. But it was th- through a, um, a website that a friend had recommended anyway. And he had gifted me a free month, month with them like a year ago that I never used. And so I finally started looking into it. Black Friday sale came up. I was like, fuck it. It's got a 90-day money-back guarantee, whatever. But I've been practicing my little practice pad. Mr. Potty Mouth won't let me get the real thing until I practice a lot. I think, I think you know, you, you've got to earn it. You've got to show that you're dedicated, yeah. that you can, you know, you can take care of your pet, and you know, yep. someone else would have to worry about the walking and the feeding. So that's good. Yeah, and I that like I that. keep up my streak. Also, like the practice streak has been pretty strong. Nice. The website's really cool. There's lots of different things that you can do with it. So I'm feeling okay about it, and definitely, you know, feeling inspired watching an amazing drummer. Um, after, but the funny part, the story that I wanted to tell was after the um, the concert. We're in D.C. We're with a kid. We're like, oh, let's just stop at a bar on the way back to the metro. And there was one bar open, and it was unclear how open it was. It said open, but then there's but there you was. You can't always believe what you read, right? So we walk in, and it's kind of sparse. And there was a big sign that said "Go downstairs for games," but it was in your way of getting to the stairs. And so I was like, "Well, I don't know if we're really supposed to go downstairs because it's dark in there." And even though the sign, so I'm trying to go over the bar to get the bartender's attention, and there were three people next to me, and this slightly inebriated woman turns to me and says. You can fucking get whatever the fuck you want, or something like that. And you thought <laughs> and these said, are my people? Right, well, and then so it, they turned out to be my people, oh, talking yeah. nobody. So I just turned to her and said, I don't know what the fuck I want yet. And I'm just <laughs> trying to get the fucking bartender's attention so that I can find out if I can go downstairs. And they explained, oh no, the sign should be turned the other way. <laughs> and I'm like, well, can't somebody walk over there and do it? But then I noticed that the guy next to this woman, shocking no one, had a Red Sox of course. hat. On. Of course. Of so they did end up being my people, and so we had a long fucking conversation about wow. you know Boston and visit, and they were just visiting. They're just down here for the fun of it. I love your heartwarming holiday <laughs> stories. 
I absolutely yes. do. So my Black Friday started with assembling an Ikea love seat oh. with Junior Potty Mouth. And I think it's a success because nobody cried, nobody yelled. And we ended by sitting on the love seat, having adult beverages. So that seemed good. Yeah. And then the day ended with uh, Crazy Eights, which is like a, an old family. You oh. know, we, we, we do this every once in a while. We played Crazy Eights. And then the cat, who was in town for the week also for Thanksgiving, <laughs> Is a mouser, but also the cat's getting a little mature and a little slower. And also, I think a little more zen. We kind of think she wants to be friends with the wildlife mm. as opposed to be the predator, although she looks pretty predator-like. But at one point, she actually had the mouse, came running into the dining room where we were playing Crazy Eights. So Junior Potty Mouth and I just very carefully lifted our feet kind of up onto the chairs and continued to play while Mayhem ensued and then oh the mouse was still there moving. there was a little bit of action but 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 she couldn't close the deal oh wow cat couldn't close the deal so i think had we made it clear what her deadline was <laughs> it might have been better because yeah. the cat's already you know back home left yesterday but i we didn't make that clear so i think maybe she thought i've got a few more days to hang out with my friend yeah and now you're left behind with the mouse and no cat i actually i'm i sort of volunteered to keep the cat till christmas oh. which is weird for me because wow. i don't care for that whole situation <laughs> usually because of the banging on my bedroom door at, at you know ass crack of dawn but the cat's gone but maybe that mouse will still be there at christmas <laughs> i really hope no. not but maybe. could be they'll be best friends you'll have to get two little stockings a little cat no stocking i'm not getting a mouse stocking. <laughs> mouse stocking no no unless we can catch the mouse in the stocking and then oh, no yeah I, oh no all right so i i have a, a very funny catching a mouse story but i'm going to save it for later and and patreon listen to our, our patreon plug at the end because that is when i'll tell my mouse story excellent all right, all right. <laughs> on today's show we've got the hot stove with yoshinobu and a eugenio we've got hall of fame boyfriends we're cross training with the nba We've got the spoils of war, international baseball, and the season of giving. Cheers. Hey, we're drinking delicious cider. Ooh, this is really good. It, well, the kid, I'm guessing your kid brought it. Yeah, right? yeah. This is 1911. Mine's um, almost gone. Yeah, well, mine too. Because, you know, we, we split it. With, mm-hmm. You know, we, our tech support had a little bit of this right. too. But it's the, um, the maple bourbon barrel-aged mm. cider from 1911. So it tastes kind of like if you spanked cider with a Manhattan. And it just makes me very, very happy. Yeah. And it feels like fall. It totally, yeah. It's a crappy, cold, rainy day out there. This is so perfect. I just wanted to comment for our Instagram viewers. I took some time because we we were going to put our studio in a different place because of construction construction in the potty mouth household. The construction has not started. So I started, I tried to put a few things back in the room behind you to sort of frame the post, but I did very poorly and it's completely like right behind you. So you can't see any wow. of it. Well, on the bright side, I'm wearing my Caps <laughs> yeah. Giving t-shirt because I, we did cross train with the Washington Capitals actually the day before Thanksgiving. And I'm wearing my, uh, my Washington Capitals sort of turkey themed t-shirt which um we got an extra one which may in fact go into a prize pack Mm. so should you hopefully you know win something from us one day it could be it could be the a caps giving t-shirt that's a good one i like it i really like it it used to be a black friday thing that we've done for a couple years in a row and we decided to go wednesday night instead which was good because the caps won in overtime wednesday night they lost (laughs) um it they, they were shut out completely on friday so we did well yeah we did well 
Good hey, job. Let's talk hot stove, shall we? Are we heating up yet? We are heating up a little bit. So we mentioned last week that Yoshinobu Yamamoto has been posted or was going to be posted this past yeah. Monday. And that means that his team in Japan, the um, the Onyx Buffaloes, made him available. Is it Oryx? Oryx. The yeah. Oryx Buffaloes. So they have they posted him. They made him available to Major League Baseball. And so Tuesday morning was when MLB teams could start negotiating, making offers. His um, his agent has said there's a double-digit number of teams that have expressed interest, which is like up to like half of the teams in the league have expressed some level of interest in trying to woo Yamamoto. He's back in Japan, so this whole next week he's going to be having Zoom meetings with these somewhere between 11 and 14 teams to kind of do like their initial screening. Yep. And then once he narrows that down to the people to the teams that he wants to be serious about, he's going to fly back to the United States after the owner, the winter meetings are over. It's about December 7th, December 8th. He'll come back to this country and meet in person the teams that he's they've deemed as finalists. You know, this sounds sort of like The Bachelor. Does <laughs> isn't it? it isn't it sort of like the MLB version of The Bachelor? And you know, the roses get, involved. I wonder. I've they, never watched The Bachelor, you know, so I don't know. I haven't either. I've just heard about so it from the kids. But but okay. it sounds like what I've heard about The Bachelor. And I think somebody should get some roses involved and maybe they'd get Well, as somebody Yamamoto. who, who um, at least for another week, works in HR to me, it's like, okay, we're screening candidates, but it's a reverse. It's like the candidate is screening the places of employment. Yeah. But in that same way, it's like, oh, we have this. How are you qualified to help me? And it's interesting because when you bring an international player in, there's money. There's mm-hmm. th- there's need on the team. Like we need a starting pitcher. We have this much money, but also on the the chemistry, the candidates side, the players side, they have to decide how am I going to fit in culturally. Yeah. Does this city, does this team have a track record yeah. with bringing in international players, specifically Japanese players? How does that work? Are there already Japanese players on the team? Is that good for me or bad for me? What how how do I feel about that? Right. So there's a lot of other factors as, in addition to. Are you going to give me the most money right. to do that? Yeah, yeah. Go back to Otani's right. sort of bachelor moment. So the Orcs Buffaloes are going to make bank yeah. from this. So this is what happens when a team posts one of their players. An international team posts a player. The team that ends up signing Yamamoto will pay Oryx 20% of the first $25 million dollars plus 17.5% of the next $25 million of the contract, plus 15% of the total guaranteed value over that $50 million mark. So a lot of money comes back to the team who who posts the player. The deal needs to be done by the end of business on January 4th. Um, The sort of popular opinion is it's going to happen way sooner than that. Eugenio Suarez, my um, previous boyfriend, initially from the Reds, who has been in Seattle, is moving to Arizona because they need a third baseman because Evan Longoria is now a free agent. Yeah. So they need a three base, third baseman. So they said, hello, Mariners. We will give you pitcher Carlos Vargas and catcher Sebi Zavala if you give us Eugenio Suarez. So that is a done deal, and he is going to be a Diamondback. And I hear that Seattle fans are not happy because he was so much fun. Like, he was just one of those fun guys that people went to see in the dugout, and it's like, uh, Yeah. Sad. Yep. Yep. Hall of Fame ballots were announced this past week, and there are 12 first-timers on the ballot. And here's how you get to be on the ballot. 
you're eligible if you've played 10 seasons and you were active in Major League Baseball between 15 and five years before the election. So in this case, for, oh, okay. the, for the 2024 class, the new people, the last game had to be played in 2018 or earlier. To get from the ballot to being inducted into the Hall of Fame, you have to be on 75% of the, of the ballots. You can be on the ballot for up to 10 years. If you don't make it, you don't make it. Make it as long as you get 5% of the vote every year. The, um, the winners, the people who will be inducted, will be announced on January 23rd. Because 2018 is like the most recent year you could play, all of a sudden, people who we have picked as boyfriends yeah. are oh starting God. to show up on the Hall of Fame Ooh. ballot. So of the 12 first-timers, three of them, are previous boyfriends of ours, two of yours, Joe Maurer, who you picked for Minnesota mm-hmm. in 2018, and Adrian Beltre, who you picked for Texas in 2018, and David Wright, who I picked for the Mets in 2018. I also want to note, because we care, Big Sexy, <laughs> Yeah, this would be his first ballot. And um, important to me as, a, as an Orioles fan, Matt Holliday, who's the father of Jackson Holliday, uh, of, you know, in the Orioles farm system, number one draft choice, is also on the ballot. So this is kind of exciting. And, you know, we could go to Cooperstown in July, you know, if any of those people that we care about made it, for instance. That would be super fun. I was thinking when I saw the ballot this year that it looked a lot more exciting to me than last year's ballot. I didn't know if that was just because we've been, like, I know these guys better because we've been talking about it, or if it's just that it happened to be a good bumper crop of a year as opposed to last year. Yeah, no, this, this looks like a more... But I, but I think you're right. I, th- I think a lot of these guys are guys are more recent. They're they're we are more aware of them. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's personal for us. All right. Well. Yep. We can keep it personal. We can go out there. So you know, going back to um what you were saying about trades, I came upon an Instagram post by the wife of one of the current Celtics, Lauren Holiday, and we're just going to link it in the, um, in the what do you call those things, show notes, in the show notes, because I don't want to read it all because it's very long. But the basic idea is that her husband, Drew, Drew, was traded from Milwaukee Bucks to Portland and then flipped to Boston in September. And she said that she was sharing this, and I quote, this is, this is the part I, quote, I can quote, I'm sharing this so people can see the humans behind the business in- transactions. Basically, he had no clue, no clue he was going to be traded. And I think what happened and what's happening too much now is people are finding about their trades through social media sure. instead of through actually the team. getting getting leaked faster than somebody's agent can get a hold of them. Yep. Yeah. And that's it sounds like that's what happened, that he woke up from a nap to find out that he had been traded. Zero warning. He has two little kids. One had ju- This is in the end of September. One of his kids had just started first grade. The other one had just started kindergarten. And um, this past week, he was interviewed when facing the Bucks for the first time as a Celtic. And all he said about the Bucks was, a warning would have been cool. So right. they had really invested, as, and something that we really admire about um, players is when they really invest in the community. And so Drew and Lauren had together won the two, 2023 Muhammad Ali Sports Humanitarian ESPY Award for their community efforts. And in his four seasons with the Bucks, he won the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award in three of the last wow. four seasons. And he also wore the 2020-2021 NBA Sportsmanship Award. So clearly a good guy, a good teammate. You know, of course, he's saying, like, everybody has to do. We're excited to be. And even the end of her Instagram was like, I'm looking forward to, you know, building a community in Boston or, or whatever. But I think we all 
should read our words and just keep in mind the people and the lives that just get uprooted all of a sudden by these um by the trades yeah sure i mean like some of these folks are you know single people who are like okay sure you know why not i'll go somewhere else but the folks with families or the people who have been in one place for a while and have established themselves you know families or not it's harder yeah it's harder and i think you're right we need to be aware of that yeah and and fans i think like players that are long term you know i mean i think we we all kind of get attached to people and and it's hard it's just it's because and she does talk about the it's a business quote and you know that's what it is but it's also also it's people for sure potty mouth i'm gonna let you pour oh yeah what are you gonna pour us i am gonna pour i think what we drank last year because it's a bigger the two beers next yeah yeah last week bigger the two beers next to us which is the cerveza viejo especial Mexican-style lager beer from Elder Pine, a local place. And actually, here's a lovely detail. It's aged in Chardonnay barrels for six months. All right, so we've got... All right. So we have a theme. We have, we're only drinking barrel-aged <laughs> canned beverages <laughs> That's today. nice. Right? We pulled that off. I just feel like we're very classy right now. Yeah. We're going to talk about the pool. This pool is the playoff loot pool. When teams make the playoffs they are entitled to a share of the gate, a share of the money generated by playoff games. And the amount they get is based on how far they made it through the playoffs, right? So the total pool this year was almost $108 million, which is a record for the size of the pool. I think this is because of the expanded playoffs because more games were played in the playoffs so more oh game, that makes sense right? yeah and so this is how they calculate the pool it's 60 percent of the take from the the first two games of each wild card series the first three games of each division series and the first four games of each league championship series and the world series so the games you're guaranteed to play that's a lot more complicated than length times width which is how i would calculate the size of the pool Look at you. But, <laughs> but, also, but, that, right. but volume, you've also got the... Oh, right. you get well, three, three, if we're doing the volume of the pool, yeah, then... All right, all right, math teacher. All right. So an interesting thing about this, though, is once it's determined how much of the pool each team has mm-hmm. earned based on how far they went and how successful they were in the playoffs, the players vote on how to divvy up the money. The CBA huh. requires that the, the distribution is done within 30 days. All the players? The players on, the, on each team okay. uh, will we'll vote on how to, how to divvy up the um, the portion of the pool gotcha. that goes to that team, right? So, uh, yeah, so they have to just distribute it within 30 days of the, of the end of the World Series. So, for instance, Arizona, who made it to the World Series, voted for 71 full shares of a little more than $300,000 and a little more than 11 partial shares. Texas, mm-hmm. the winners of the World Series... Decided on 64 full shares of more than $500,000 and 12 partial shares plus another $48,000 in cash awards. So the the Athletic interviewed people who were involved in the votes and also sort of like in sharing, like sort of facilitating. The, their teammates in voting on this. So Evan Longoria was, you know, the he's the veteran, right, on the Diamondbacks. So he yep. was sort of the leader in the voting thing. And he said, you know, he really stressed distributing the money in a, quote, unselfish manner. Freddie Freeman's been involved over and over again because of his playoff record. And he says that 
when the money is distributed, it can be life-changing money to the people who receive it. Mm -hmm. And Reese Hoskins of the Phillies said, you know, their culture is treat the team and the people who work with the team as family. And he said it was important to take care of as many of the people that had any hand in allowing us to be the best product on the field. So the front office staff are not eligible for part of this, but the players, the coaches, Hmm. clubhouse attendants, that's good, kitchen staff. So a lot of support staff are eligible. So what these guys are saying is, yeah, that they are super important and this is our chance. And one of the things that Evan Longoria said was, you know, some of us, the veterans, get paid a boatload of money already. Yeah. A lot of the new guys, especially ones who have come up and down a lot, Mm -hmm. have gotten a portion of the minimum for Major League Baseball, but are largely working on you know, minor league wages, which are, you know, livable, but not great now. And then you have all the support staff. So Evan Longoria says, don't get me wrong. I'm not rolling my eyes over a $300,000 check. I'm just saying the impact that it has on me is not going to be as significant as on any of our younger players who have limited service time or our clubhouse attendants or our kitchen attendants. The impact is going to be much, much more for them. And then he explained to the players, he said, that these guys will get Christmas cards or messages on their phones, thanks, from those people. And they'll understand at that point Uh what being in that position and being able to make that impact on somebody's life means. So here here you have a veteran, you know, like, you know, like Nelson Cruz Mm -hmm. saying, you know, you have a responsibility. It's important for you to think about those around you and use your position to make a difference. So so Longoria said, yeah, a lot of people are going to be really excited when they open their, their mail this holiday season because they're not necessarily going to expect anything. That's really cool. I was just thinking that the D-backs are such a young team that I'm guessing like the percentage of players that are in that same situation is probably a lot higher for them. Yeah, for sure. So do good things with that. All right, I was watching baseball this week. Were you? Yeah. What baseball were you watching So I watched a couple of baseball games this week. I was watching some lead-on, and then I'll talk about Baseball United in a minute. But uh, lead-on, Dominican League – it, all sorts of cool things are happening. So the big news in all the, the lead-on outlets is that Fernando Tatis Jr. will be playing this year. He's going to be playing for the Estrellas Orientales, which is where he was playing before, which is managed by his dad. But the date is unclear. The rumors say December 5th, but who knows? Um, because he does have a game limit by the Padres. So right. the Padres have given him 20 games, which is pretty usual, it seems, for, for lead-on. But his dad says that if there are no health problems, if he doesn't ride a fucking motorcycle or like whatever else, Tati doesn't scuba diving, just maybe he's he's probably safer on the baseball field, actually, than as we keep him there as opposed to letting him (laughs) on his own. So if if he doesn't have any health problems, they're going to try for 10 to 20 more games. So we'll sort of see how far they go in the playoffs. And that's where the timing gets a little tricky because they want him in the season to get them to the playoffs. But then, you know, there's the playoffs. The big news is he's going to play shortstop. So he just got not only the gold glove, but the platinum glove for outfield where the Padres stuck him after his 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 um, PED suspension and they have that glut they have, of shortstop. 432 shortstops. So, they, so, yeah. they figured let's retrain him, but he did fantastic. So his father says that shortstop is his natural position, and that's where he's going to be. We'll see how he does. The last time he played with the Estrellas Orientales was in the 2021 postseason that helped them get to the semis. Before that, 
the big year where where he caught my eye because I chose him for a baseball boyfriend right after this, the 2018-2019 season where he helped the team become champions of lead-on for the first time in 50 years with his dad um, managing. So it was super Super emotional right before the MLB debut. So he's back with the Estrellas. Um, just for a side note, so I was a big Estrellas fan. But after that year, there was that weird thing where Fernando Tatis came back to play, but Junior, this is, but his dad was fired. So he had just, right. it was the it was the year after, like, the, you know, 50-year drought brings them to the championship. And then the next fall, they're not doing so well. Mid-season, they fired the father. So Tati said, I'm not going to be playing for them. Something happened. They made up. Dad came back. Um, but while I was looking into uh, Fernando Tati Sr.'s experience with Estrellas Orientales, he, he did play for them, but not as much as he played for the Leones del Escogido, which uh, is the, my yeah. Escogido team, my, my chosen team. Um, and he started his career with them and ended it with them before he started managing. So I'll get back to the Leones for a little while because they're in a little while because that's um that's the team that I watched. But when I was looking into Estrellas Orientales news, Jerkson Profar started this week with the Estrellas. He got a home run on the first pitch of the game on Saturday. And I think it was his first. No, he started on Friday. So first game, hitless. Second game, home run on the first pitch. Not bad. He last played in lead on with the, with the Tigres de Lisey, the current champs in 2012 to 13 and 13 to 14 so it's been a long time and it seems like a lot of guys are coming back after a while because he's a free agent now right so he's gotta show off a little bit in the winter leagues and hopefully get noticed to get you know picked up by a decent team for next year um jose ramirez super excited to say started last week with my leones and he um leones i said that wrong the first time all right leones that's much better. I need more beer. He played his second game on Wednesday. I'm looking at your full beer. Yeah, I'm going to take a sip. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So he, um, his second game on Wednesday, three-run home run. So he's only played four games so far. Seems to be doing okay. He last played in lead-on in 2015 with the Toros del Este. He's still under the Guardians, right? Yeah. So he had to get sort of super permission to be able to play. And I think he's also on like one of those 20 game limits. He used to be with the Toros, but he was actually traded in September for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who belonged to Leones del Escogido. Now that was a whole, and I was gonna talk about this sometime when when it happened. Um, Vladdy has bad blood with the Leones now. He was selected by them in, in 2017, last played 2021. Last year, before the World Baseball Classic, he wanted to play with them. And he was it's it's like they have these guys as reserves, they call it. Like like Leones just reaffirmed that they still have Rafael Devers as one of their reserves for this year. Devers probably has no intention of playing, but if he were to, he would he's still controlled by the Leones. So they had that sort of relationship with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And he was going to take him up on it because he wanted to get some practice before the World Baseball Classic. So it took him two months of asking permission from the Blue Jays for them to finally say, all right, fine, go play in lead on. And they gave him his limits or whatever. But the day that they gave him the permission was the same day that the Leones were eliminated from season play. Oh, no. And apparently, and this is where I'm a little confused because I, I read Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s side and I saw an interview with him where he was literally like, 
on the road on the way to the ballpark where they were like, nah, don't come. You're, we're taking you off the roster. So then he said, not fuck you in those words, but basically like, I'm not playing for the Leonis again. I'm done. And that sort of fed into the fact where, okay, well, we'll trade you for Jose Ramirez. And I think at that point of the trade, though, it was sort of like an equal, like, they're probably not going to play next year kind of thing. And here Jose is actually playing. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the in the interview said things like, I'm a Leon at heart. This is just they treated me badly, so I don't want to be with them anymore. And I don't want anything to do with Leadom anymore either. Wow. So I don't know if he's going to you know, show up for the Tortoise or not. But I, I'm more concerned about my Leonis del Escogido. And I'd like to know their point of view, like how that happened. But he was super, super bitter about it. The Leones do have um, a lot of, you know, strengths and good other former players. Uh, David Ortiz, of course, like one of my super, you know, close to heart and happy to know that he was on the Leones de Escogido. And Fran Mel Reyes, who has struggled. And like he was uh, released by Kansas City, I think, this past year. But he had a really good year with Cleveland and a really good year with San Diego, like where he was showing so much promise and then he just couldn't quite pull it together. So he's another guy who wants to get noticed. So yeah, he was DFA'd last year by the Kansas City. He had some time with the Nats organization at Rochester. And now he wants to get picked up. He is totally cranking in lead on. He's played 28 games. He's one of four guys who have played more than 28 games in the league. In those 28 games, he's in first place with five home runs. He has 23 RBI, also in first place. The guy with the second amount has 16. He has wow. nine walks, 29 hits, betting 284 average and 849 OPS. So I'm really hoping that somebody notices Fran Mill and gives him a shot. Um, just other like, you know, flashy look at that thing because I get interested in stuff like this. Who's playing in lead on um, Aquaman? Jorge Alfaro is back with Tigres de Lisey after having a super, super disappointing year in MLB. Like he was all over the place and just couldn't put it together. He was MVP of the lead um, um championship game last year where the, the Lisey won. So I'm hoping he does well. With him on Lise, he has some company. Um, Miguel Andujar, former yeah. baseball boyfriend of yours. Wander Suero, former Nats pitcher. And Hansel Robles, former Red Sox pitcher. All on Lise. So we'll see how Tigres of Lise does. All right, I'm going to leave lead on. Do you have any lead on comments? I have no lead on comments, but right. I, I'm pretty excited about all of these these names that make me happy to hear. Yeah, and, and it's on MLDB.com. So we could actually, I think the game's going to be over by the time we're done. It might not be. We should try to catch it at the end. All right, I'm going to talk fast so that maybe we can catch the game. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say about Venezuela is that their fantasy game is so cool. And I'm going to totally show you how to play. It's, it's really easy. And the only thing you have to remember is to lock in your um, lineup more than an hour, you know, the hour before the first game of the day is the limit. I don't know where that is because my – so basically try like late morning, early afternoon. But it's free and you click on the little guys and there's plenty of people that you'll recognize when you see the list of players to choose from and it's super fun and I'm not in last place. I'm like 1,849 out of – four thousand and something. Wow, yeah. that's spectacular. Yeah, I I think so. Wow, nice work. <laughs> nice work. Let's see how that goes. Wow. So I did watch that game where um, Jose Ramirez hit that home run. So that was my one game from Leadom that I saw this week. The other game that I tried to see. So the the baseball United thing that we talked about a few weeks ago, which is this 
league starting in Dubai. Growing the game. With yeah, with lots of big names. And as, lots of oil money. <laughs> that's the whole thing still makes me I just don't quite know where to go with this. And and I guess after I say this, like we can we can talk about it. There's something still that just like kind of creeps me out. But there are all these really cool players who are involved. And what you said when we talked about it last time is is if it's actually growing the game, like if it's actually giving players opportunities, then that's a redeeming factor. And it seems like that's a big part of the plan and some of that has already been put in action. So that's a good thing. It's in Dubai. It's just, I guess there should be growing baseball everywhere. Okay, so this is Friday and Saturday. And they're kicking off the season with all-star games, you know, the way you do. And so they divided it into... East and West, and guys got put on teams. I'm not quite sure how. Two of the guys playing, who we know very well, Robinson Cano and Bartolo Colon, are actually player owners. They're in the co-owners list, along with Adrian Beltre and Barry Larkin and Nick Swisher. And there's like 14 of them who are player owners, or who are owners. They're the only two who actually played. Big, sexy, bless his heart. So this is the game I missed. Game one on Friday. I really wish I'd seen this. Big Sexy starts the game. 50 years old. Like, we can actually say, like, he's within our, like, peer sure. age range. He's 50 years old. Perfect first inning. He got out Robinson Cano, who let off. I don't I, – I should have written up how old he is. Um, Alejandro de Aza struck out and Didi Gregorius ground out. So three outs to start the game. Had a little <coughs> bit of a rough time in the second inning. He made it three with – um, three hits, two runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. His team, the East, and I'm going to go with that because I didn't write down what team. I'm pretty sure he's on the East that they won that game 3-2. to two. Yep, yep, it's definitely his team. Um, so 3-2, to two, I guess the first game wasn't exciting, but I saw the exciting game too, or at least most, most of it. Actually, the most exciting part where the East won 9-5. to five. So the East swept the West. I don't know really what that means. I don't think anybody on the teams are from East or West. Like even the, the um, prospects are kind of split on both teams. So I don't think there's real like they geographical. They just had two teams and here we go. Right. And East and West sure. could have been North and South, could have been, I don't know. Uh, so game two. The only thing that was really annoying about watching, and I, I think this is because I have a little bit of a hang-up about former Yankees from a certain era, Nick Swisher, man. So he is one of the owners, and he is just super enthusiastic, but sort of enthusiastic in a used car salesman kind of enthusiastic kind of way because wow. he kept talking about like how great this is and we are groundbreaking and check out what we're doing. And the camera was on him, and I don't—I didn't get the play-by-play guy's name, but the two of them plus the guest of the inning with them, more than on the play. So there was definitely some, like, I, I should, like, write to the management and say, you know, you just need to show the game a little bit more. I know what these guys look like. And it was a weird side angle. So it was, like, not facing the three of them equally. It was, like, when Adrian Beltre was there, he was the large one because the camera was closest to him and then Nick Swisher and then the other guy. So they have to grow the camera work as well that, as the game. Absolutely. All right. Grow their production values. Yeah. So Adrian Beltre was in there for a while and he's an owner and I love Adrian Beltre. So, you know, I'm giving everybody trying so hard to give them the benefit of the doubt. They had a, a guy, one of their cricket players in talking a little bit about the similarities and differences between baseball and cricket and talking about how baseball should really boom here because it's so similar with skills. But man, the scoring. And also, they play like in the middle. And I think that's why the stadium is so round, so that it maybe can double as a cricket thing. Because 
that's round. There's a lot of sort of like extra space huh. on the sides, which was handy for the cabanas, which remember we talked oh, about the, the cabanas. cabanas. Yes. So they were like um, sectional sofas, I think, like the round kind that you see in like discos or you saw, in, you know, those little side I sofas. Do. Those round, yeah. Sure. That's what it looked like. It had so it's a, a round like arena with round sofas. Right, right. There's there's a theme there. Or, or like half moon kind of thing. So you could watch the game. I was a little concerned about their safety. I kept trying to it just went by so fast every time it showed them. I could tell that there was a net in front of them. But was it more like a mosquito netting or something? It sort was, of romantic looking. It was a little bit safety? like a, Yeah, like a volleyball net kind of situation, you know, but lower, you know, at the right appropriate height. Okay. Um, but nothing above them. So I'm guessing they were worried about the line drives going into them and figured you just better like you know heads up for a for a foul ball because if it's a going up it's going to kill you dead yeah okay. you're, you're gonna get bring your glove bring your glove they did interview a couple of guys in the cabana who are looking really happy to be there i don't know i didn't see any cabana injuries while i was at it um they did do they had like a lot of you know kitsch they're trying to grow the game in a fun way so they also had each team had a full, and they called them marching bands, but I just saw them in the seats. Full band, two teams, like a different bands, pep bands, but right? Two pep bands. But in the in a dome, right? <laughs> were they taking turns, or were they just trying to drown each it other? It was out? loud. We got yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? I mean, <laughs> that would be really cool if they could like coordinate it like that. I didn't see much coordination, and I don't know about the sound. But they also had, you know, the overall soundtrack thing plus the two bands. So were there cowbells? I don't know. You yeah. would have heard. I mean, you would have known there were cowbells. Yeah, I didn't notice any cowbells. But I think they need to think about the sound system just, just a little bit. They also got very carried away with the um, mic'd up stuff. And so they were miking up this guy, Brantley Bell, who um, I think played in the minors. His, his dad was a major league player. He was at like three for four that night or something like that. And they're like, keep your microphone on when you go in the batting box next time, okay? And he kind of, you know, he's on camera and while he's – answering and so he said sure and so he went into the box he didn't talk much but nick swisher tried to call the pitches oh no he's like i think you're getting a fastball like and so and oh the, my god right right and so the guy didn't swing though and it was a fastball and he's like see i told you <laughs> like he was right down the middle but you know just a little bit kitschy stuff like that one other thing so i keep like swinging back and forth as to my recommendation what reinforces my um feeling that this could be a good thing, is Justine Siegel was on the field coaching. Oh, wow. She was coaching for the West. She was in uniform. I didn't see any more news about her. So if anybody has more about that, please, you know, write in. And I just think, you know, anything she's involved with, like, I hope they paid her really good money to get out there. So the the one um, play that I saw that was monumental, Pablo Sandoval hit a six-run home run. Um, yep. Help me. Right. Help me. So, I, you know, my math skills <laughs> are fairly good. But so there I'm... are three, at least three that I counted special rules oh, of no. Baseball United. One rule is each team gets three what they call money balls during the course of a game. And if you play your money ball for a certain batter when they're up, you double the runs that you get. So you have to, right. <laughs> so like the manager say, hey, we're doing right. a money it's ball It's a money now. ball. 
Yeah, really? I think that's how it, that seemed to be how Let's it worked. Let's go with that because yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, and so he had two guys on, so he really got a three-run home run, but it was a six. I think it's like the first six-run home run in professional baseball. I would imagine it would be. Yeah, and and then in pa- Pablo Sandoval, I thought he looked re- he looked like he was in better shape than he was when he was on the Red Sox. He looked really good. Fantastic run. And then there was an issue with his team in the seventh inning where it seemed like the pitcher was kind of injured. Like nothing big. It was probably like a blister came out or something. But, you know, everybody goes to the mound. Not an expected pitching change. And and Pablo goes on the mound. Like, give I me can the butt. Yes. Like, I've done this before. You Hit remember me. it turned out well. But they didn't give it to him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of question marks. There was sparse attendance. I noticed that the seats were not the fold-up kind that you usually see in a stadium. They were kind of like the just molded plastic seats. Okay. So I don't know if that's because if it's a dome or they thought it would be more comfortable. Um, they did, you will be happy to know, do take me out at the stretch. Oh, excellent. So that was a good thing. And I weird. Didn't, yeah. <laughs> well, it, okay. it, it, I, maybe the bands knew that song. Hopefully they could play together on that. I didn't see anything, evidence of an anthem. I don't know what anthem they would play if they would do the United Arab Emirates um, anthem. If they haven't, I, they must have an anthem. Everybody has an anthem, right? Anyway, I didn't see an anthem. I did see somebody whose name I didn't know come out and sing a song also during the stretch, but just for the fun of it, for the entertainment value. All right, so I said three rules. One rule is the Moneyball rule. The other two rules are, and this one I should have. Lo- I tried to look up, but I'm just getting this by osmosis by watching it happen a couple times. They have a designated runner. So that's different than a pinch runner. Seems like the designated runner gets to run when an old guy hits and doesn't want to run. And so they put the prospect on the base to run. So the designated runner was usually one of the prospects who was small and fast or, so, or young and fast. So they're not rather. being subbed in for the player. They're right. only running for the player who can then come up and bat again. Yep. Okay, yep. that's yep. interesting. Yeah. So that's another fun rule. And then the last one that I picked up on was if the game had been tied in the ninth, which it wasn't, they do not do extra innings. They do a home run derby. And I have no idea what rules are involved, but that's that how next they – That's how they – Number, so, distance. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to have to keep watching. So this is preseason, right? So this is going to – Baseball United – Baseball in Dubai is going to keep happening. Um, so pros, I would say there's some fun people involved. I don't know, funky rules when they're not in MLB. It's kind of might be interesting to watch. It's kind of like, you know, foreign banana ball or something, but not quite as extravagant. So the players that you saw, which are the older, the veterans mm-hmm. from Major League Baseball, you saw them only because they were playing in the All-Star game, right? They're, they're not expected to play. They are. They are? Yes. In regular season games? Yep, yep, yep. They're all on teams. Yeah, Cologne is on a team. Cano is on a team. Anderson Simmons was adorable. He was super excited about being there. He's like, what's there not to love? He was really, seemed to be soaking it in. They must be paying him a lot of money. He <laughs> seemed really happy to be there. Yeah, there's there's more of them too. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking right now, but they're, they're all on teams. All right. So the other cool thing besides the cool guys that we know is this idea of not just growing the game in Dubai. And I think in Dubai, they're really focusing on growing the fans, you know, yeah. and then, you know, getting it from there. But also giving people um, internationally an opportunity to play baseball where they might not have otherwise. So, for example, the number one pitcher from Finland, Konsta, was there. 
I didn't know there was, you know, who knows? And then they had eight prospects from India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Uganda, and Palestine from their national teams. Palestinian national team, uh, I can't even go there right now. It's too upsetting. But um, just the concept that people from these countries would have an opportunity to play alongside just heroes of the sport, right? Robinson Cano and Bartolo Colon and Antrelson Simmons. It's pretty fucking cool. So I looked into the president's uh, CEO. His name is Cash. I did hear it pronounced. His first name is Cash, Cash Shake. He was born in Houston. That sounds like a character name in a badly written novel. <laughs> Cash Shake, the owner of yeah. the baseball league. I guess, yeah. Well, he, and he's from Houston, of all places. All right. His family is Pakistani. How he wound up in Dubai is going to have to be to be continued in another episode because I did not go that far. But anyway, that's my rundown of my experience watching Baseball United. I got to say, it was kind of fun to watch. Um, was it on MLB? How did it you was, watch it? You so see? there was a lot of conversation on Twitter about people not able to find it because it was on MLB TV. I don't know how I find it, found it because I went on there several times trying to find it, being unsuccessful, and then finally clicking in the right place and getting it. It's sort of like lead on isn't quite, um, you know, instinctual for how to find it on MLB TV. I got it. I don't know if the season is going to be on MLB TV or not. I or think just it's those sort of games. yeah. I don't okay. know. I guess we'll find out. I will try to keep tabs, especially because you know if you can watch, I want to see big sexy pitch. Sure you more, do. More. Sure you do. So the baseball season we're in right now in this country is a season of giving. I'm ignoring the regularly scheduled Thanksgiving food giveaways because all the Uh, teams do something. They give away turkeys or they have boxes of food. So that's wonderful. And I'm all about that. But I wanted to give you three examples of things that specific players are doing to show you a range of how these guys are spending some of their time in the off season. So Andrew Vaughn, who was my White Sox boyfriend a couple years ago, has been working, he and his wife have been working with an organization in Chicago called Digs with Dignity. And the White Sox were the first corporate sponsor of this organization, which helps move families who are, quote, exiting homelessness. So families who have been homeless and have just acquired a place to live. They may have been homeless because of domestic abuse or because of a medical condition that was serious or job loss or some sort of economic thing. They have identified a place to live, but they don't have any things, right? And so you're Mm -hmm. moving into walls and a roof but mm-hmm. you still don't have much income, so are you going to feed your family or are you going to give them vets? So this organization comes in and doesn't just help furnish, but helps furnish in a way that will make that family happy. They interview the family. They oh. talk about, what colors do you like? What wow. are you into? What makes you happy? What do you need? And so, so they have this whole, okay, so the one whole goal is to help these families that are moving into homes after have not, not having any place to live. They're also upcycling furnishings and decorative things and so people are donating for keeping furniture out of landfills Mm -hmm. and they have professionals who are reworking so it's not like oh just a hand-me-down sofa like i just gave away to my neighbor today right (laughs) you know with the the button spring here you go they they have professionals who make these hand-me-down that's amazing articles of furniture or or decorative items better fix Mm -hmm. them make them customize them for these families so so they have two things going on at one time, which is pretty cool. In this particular story, Andrew and his wife Lexi sponsored a particular move for a single mother and her four-year-old son. 
as they moved into their apartment or the house. And they covered all the expenses of the move. Wow. Including, so it was moving the belongings they had, but also paying all the costs of the refurbishment and also being there hands-on to help build things and install things and hang the art on the wall. But, do, but you know, again, the boots on the ground. Yeah. So yes, we're writing a check, but we're also showing up and we're getting involved and we're doing this thing. So that I think is pretty cool. We're going to link to Digs with Dignity because I hadn't heard of them before, but I really like it. It's kind of like a one of those... Um, you don't see that coming. You're like, okay, we've got to get homes for mm-hmm. these people. So, okay, they have a place to live now, but do they have the things they need in that home, in that apartment, in that house? And will those things, the next level, also make them feel good? Yeah. They're not That's... just like substance, sub, uh, you know, subsistence, but it's make, make it a quality place to be. And that's super cool. So if anybody out there is in the Chicago area and you have stuff to get rid of, yep. like check out show notes. That's right. You can yeah, you can donate uh, your belong. You know, you, you can donate furniture and things, but you can also donate your time and you can donate money. Mm. So there's all of those things. Hunter Green, the Reds pitcher, who was the Reds' 2023 Roberto Clemente nominee, sponsored Pro Day with Hunter Green at the at Big League Dreams Field in Chino Hills, California. He's from Los Angeles. This is nearby Los Angeles. This is where he played travel ball. There. This is not the first time he has done this. He did a Nike cleat giveaway. What I saw is that a thousand cleats. I don't know if it's a thousand pairs of cleats or a thousand cleats would be <laughs> five hundred pairs, but regardless, that's yeah. enormous. And it's not the first time he's done it. They interviewed his mom because his family also helps out. They show up early, they help set up, they box things, they stack things, they get, you know, they get everything ready. They do the again on the ground work. And his mom said, you know, having had kids in travel ball, how expensive equipment is. And just even be, even being able to provide a good pair of cleats to these kids is going to make a difference in their ability to play. But she also talked about how they instilled in Hunter from when he was a small child this need this you must help others. Mm-hmm. It's part of your responsibility. She says when he was this age, the, the kids are coming there, eight years old, eight years old, that's when he really started his philanthropic philanthropic efforts. One of the things we said to him was, even when you're eight years old, you're standing on a platform. It may not be as big as a Major League Baseball player's platform, but you have a platform. And always go back and remember the power and the importance of making connections, caring for others, and creating impact. And that's exactly what he's doing. When he was eight, he started a book drive for a cancer foundation. Wow. So since then, he has been doing philanthropic work, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And again, his mom said, you don't have to wait to have a 20-year career. The time is now. If you want to make an impact, you do it now. You start small and continue to grow with it. So one of the other things that he's doing, in addition to having these cleat giveaways, you know, where he grew up, he's also sponsoring the cleats for an event that in, in, in the Dominican Republic that Willie Adames oh. and Jason Dominguez are going to host wow. in January. So he's, you know, he's kind of expanding that reach as well, which is pretty cool. That's so good. I, I love how mom is behind it. Right. You know, you got to love the mom influence. And his siblings are the, the ones who are there helping to set up. And so, so this is cool. a whole family. This is how that family yeah. That's how they roll. Yeah. And that and that international thing that just goes to show, you know, that the a team is such a mix of people with different backgrounds and it's really wonderful when you can sort of, you know, pick up what what other people are coming from and what's going on and what's needed. So yeah. power to them. That's awesome. The third one I'm talking about is um, Pablo Lopez, who's the pitcher from Minnesota, formerly of Miami. There his family's off season home is in Florida. So now that we're in the off season season of giving he had a tournament called Pickleball for Pets. <laughs> All right. So 
in the during the pandemic, he started playing pickleball. So did everybody. <laughs> so did, right. And what he said was he loves tennis, but pickleball is not as risky yeah. as tennis because it's a tiny version of tennis, which I liked. But in 2019, he and his wife adopted a pup from the the Paw for You Rescue. Um, his name is Benny. And Aww. so this Pickleball for Pets tournament benefits this Paws for You rescue organization, this pet rescue organization, where throughout the year they regularly donate toys and supplies to this organization. But this is, you know, the bigger fundraiser to actually get them some operating income. So so you've got players working with their families, mm-hmm. you know, with their spouses, with their moms, with their siblings, doing things where they live getting their feet on the ground, getting involved in their communities, and I love it. I mean, I'm yeah. all for write the big honk and check right. to make make big change, but I also like the, you're part of this community, you're going like, to do the work yeah. to, to be part of that community. The last um, season of giving thing I want to mention is former boyfriend Francisco Lindor, who promised Jeff McNeil when he was having a bad day oh. in 2022 that if you win the <laughs> National League batting title, I'm going to buy you a car. Hadn't bought him a car yet. He said, okay, okay, in the offseason, I'll have more time. I can buy him a car. So he finally got Jeff McNeil a brand new Ford Bronco, which I covet a little bit, but I would have liked it better if they got him the Area 51 color, which is really pretty cool but yeah so there was that i'm impressed that he got a real car because there was some some discussion about whether it was going to be a matchbox hot wheels right or if it was going to be full size right oh my gosh so hey so next week we're going to start boyfriends oh my god it's time for boyfriends already so we're going to talk about boyfriends from the oakland slash i hate to say vegas a's oh my uh, god whatever they're going to be called no. and for colorado so um we're hoping that you might have some suggestions for us, for who we're going to pick for the A's and for the Rockies. What you, so I'm guessing this week you might be watching a little bit of winter ball. Yeah, I'm going to try to watch some more lead on. Sure, why not? And then actually next week we're going to be um, squad casting because I will be in the hills of Tennessee. Sure, you will. So, Tennessee. <laughs> so we're thinking about cooking up a little thing for our Patreon, maybe? I think we could do that. So the, or added pick for joining our Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying and b-ball. We have some people who give us a little bit of money every month. We don't ask for much. But in return, we give you things like maybe the opportunity to be in a peanut gallery with us when I, we record, which I thought was fun the first time despite our technical. Right, we can't, we can't promise that it will be smooth, but it will be fun. So Patreon subscribers, um, keep an eye on things when we nail down a time for recording. If you want to participate and be there as we record remotely, of course, because we'll be recording remotely as well, um, follow the instructions as you will be given in Patreon to do that. The rest of y'all out there, you can always find us on social media for the corrections department, for boyfriend suggestions, for letting us know how you're feeling about winter ball or hot stove stuff. Where can they find us, Potty Mouth? You can find us on. It's. I just have a hard time with social just media these times. It's Twitter. Knows what you mean. Twitter, now known as X, um, at No Crying and B Ball. Right? Is that right? Facebook and Instagram. No. Twitter NCIB Podcast. Man, I have one job on this ship. Twitter is NCIB Podcast. Facebook and Instagram are no crying and b-ball, or you can just email us the old-fashioned way at ncibpodcast at gmail.com, and I will field all of your, you know, high notes and 
corrections as as they may come in <laughs> and and also and and go back to that patreon thing because we're we're finally like brainstorming we're gonna have some more patreon perks that we are going to float on our patreon friends so join the fun or just you know email us and ask what it's about sure enough Sure enough. And um, yeah, I hope you are recovering nicely from whatever you did for your Thanksgiving weekend. Hope it was spent with friends and families, other loved ones. We, you need to get out there and get your booster. You need to fight the man. Shit, I have to. Fuck. Okay, so Potty Mouth <laughs> clearly needs to get a booster. And actually, I still do too. We're fighting the man. It's the right thing to do. We're sending our game balls to Meredith. And until next week, when Potty Mouth will be somewhere in Tennessee, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. I'm part of the podcast first. Podcast Mathier. Podcast Mephir. That sounds like a whole weather situation. Yes. <laughs> it is.